Hey, here's a little plug. This February, from the 23rd to the 26th, we will host a Young Lives Weekend at Carolina Point for teen moms and their babies. There will be over 100 moms and babies, and in order to pull off this weekend, we need your help. We need child care workers who are willing to serve by taking care of babies while their moms are at club, helping them have the best weekend ever. It's amazing. It's worth every penny. And if you're interested and willing to serve, please contact Allie Holroyd. Her email will be in the show notes. Hi, friends. You're listening to Palmetto Young Life. This podcast helps encourage and equips leaders to reach the next generation. During our Committee Leader Weekend, we broke up into seminars slash teaching times to better help equip our leaders and committee in the roles. This seminar, you're about to hear is from my good friend, Jordan Schiffmacher, who is the AD in the Grand Strand, South Carolina, a.k.a. Myrtle Beach. And he's going to talk about let leading be fun again. Hope you enjoy. Um, <clears throat> you know, I feel like I... On my piece of paper that I, you know, mapped this out with, uh, the first question that I wrote on there was, why are you here? Um, And so I'm going to spend a second just telling y'all who I am. But sometimes I feel like introductions, it's like, did we just waste three minutes, right? Because, like, a lot of you know who I am, which is great. Some of you don't, so it's worth time. But while I'm talking about who I am, I want you to take out your notebook Um, or your notes app, or whatever you're using to take notes this weekend. And if you don't have anything, go buy something after this. There's still half of a weekend left. But while I'm talking about who I am for a second, I want you to ponder the question, why am I here? There's no wrong answer. No wrong answer. You can half listen to me talk about me. But I want you to just jot down a sentence or two of why are you here right now in this <coughs> seminar this morning. Um, my name is Jordan Schiffmacher, and I have the privilege and the honor of calling Myrtle Beach, South Carolina home. Come on, y'all. It's a beautiful place, and if you've never been, that's shocking. Um, and if you've never gotten to see it through the lens of a local, hit one of us up. We'd love to, we'd love to host you sometime. It's a really sweet place. I've been in Myrtle Beach for about seven years. Before I was the area director in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I was a volunteer Young Life leader at UNC Charlotte. Thank you, baby. Um, I led at Concord High School for four and a half years. I did a victory lap in college. Stayed an extra year. I wasn't ready to go. Um, and some of my best friends from that time as a Young Life leader are in this room right now. Uh, a couple people who were in my wedding uh, when I got to marry my beautiful wife, Annie. Uh, a couple years after we got married, we had a daughter named Evelyn. Um, and Evelyn is wild. She growls a lot. She just walks around and goes, <laughs> We're trying to get her to use words. I lied to the pediatrician and said she was using a couple words. She's not. Um, she doesn't need to. She growls and we give her what she wants. But uh, Annie texted me this morning at 9.37 a.m. and said, before I go searching, where's the shovel? And I thought, what's wrong? Why do you need a shovel? Uh, I said, should be in the shed. Is everything okay? And she said, found it. Nope. Just realized that there was a ton of poop in the... 
Just realized that there was a ton of poop in the backyard that Evelyn could potentially step in. So we took the morning and ran around the backyard shoveling poop. She thought it was hilarious. If we're calling it what it is, sometimes being a Young Life leader, being on committee, being on staff, it feels like you're shoveling poop. Let's be honest, right? It feels like you're shoveling poop. It feels like you're doing work that's really hard, that's really tedious, that's really lonely. Sometimes you go through seasons where it feels like you're going to shovel as much poop as you possibly can, and you're going to turn around and the yard's just going to be full of it again. And it really hurts, and it's really frustrating. And sometimes those seasons start to linger for a while, and you begin to ask yourself, when is this going to be fun again? When is this going to be fun again? Because there was a time when I was the one and a half year old walking around the backyard and I thought it was hilarious. It was full of laughter. No, the work wasn't easy, but I wouldn't miss it for anything. I don't have like magic answers. I'm sorry. I hate it when people say that during a seminar. I, but I don't. What I hope happens in the next 45 minutes is that you have a little bit of space to take a breather and maybe start to come back to the thing, to the person who made leading fun in the first place. So, um, with that, we're going to jump in to some scripture. Uh, we're not going to go very far. We're going to go into Genesis. So grab your Bible if you have it and go to Genesis <coughs> chapter 3. Hey, as you're turning there, just shout out some things. What do you know about the Garden of Eden? What do you got? Anything. If it's wrong, I'll tell you, but right now we're just brainstorming. What do we got? Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve. Boom. Great answer. What else? A perfect relationship between them and God. Perfect relationship. Face temptation. Yes. What else? What was in the garden? Snake. Snake. There's snake in the garden. Can't miss that. Everything was awesome. It was awesome. Yes. Who said trees? Okay, yes. There were trees in the garden. We talk about two of them a lot. The tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the Bible says that there are a lot of trees. Right? And trees signify abundance. Like, life in the garden was really, really good. It was really, really rich. I imagine it was full of joy and hope and expectation, right? Like every day you would wake up in this garden and you would think, man, what incredible thing am I going to experience next? 
But let's be honest, it didn't really matter if you were going to experience some incredible thing or some incredible feat, because what you never had to doubt was that every single morning when your eyes would flicker open, you would be face to face with your loving creator. It was just a guarantee. You know, when I'm at my worst, being 100%, when I'm at my worst, when I wake up in the morning, I count the hours until I'm going to be back in bed. Straight up. If I can get through these next 16 hours, okay, we can do it. And then I get to be back in this safe place. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot like that. That thought would have never crossed my mind in the garden. The Garden was a really fun place. When did the Garden of Eden stop being fun? When did it stop being fun for Adam and Eve? They ate the apple. Dig a little bit deeper. What about that? Snake. What about the snake? Hold him to do it. Disobeyed. We've got the answer. Yeah. You know, let's read it first. Okay, here we go. Uh, Genesis 3, 6 through 8. Would somebody read that? Anybody? Loud and proud? Would somebody read 9 through 12? college as leaders we incorporated it was it kind of felt like a new thing we had spent a couple years not giving a talk during our like semester long talk progression on the fall and then we started doing it and it felt like this this new discovery realization had like opened up where we were able to stand in front of a room of our high school friends I led high school in lot and I was able to explain to them hey we just told you last week about creation and now we're going to tell you about why creation isn't the way it was supposed to look. Like, okay, if, if creation was made and things were made so good, then how come my data doesn't feel like that? And I felt like I had this answer, right? Like, I was able to give this unapologetic explanation of what happened. And the first time I gave the talk, it was like this realization moment for me, right? 
and then a couple of years go by, and then all of a sudden you've been leading for 10 years or whatever, and now it's like, I just, I know about this story. Like, I know about it. And even when we were talking about it a second ago, it was like, yeah, like, there's things that we know about it. But what I've realized that I'm really quick to miss is that when leading stops being fun, when leading stops being fun, I'm living it. I'm living the story. Right? And so if you're like me, when, when something doesn't feel good, you just start to make changes really quick. Right? Like, if this doesn't feel good, let me try something different. Let me do something different. Right? Like, maybe I just need to tweak this, need to call this person. What takes me a while, sometimes weeks, maybe months, maybe a lot of failures, maybe realizing that those things that I tried to tweak and change and do aren't really giving me the result that I was hopeful for. What takes me a long time is to come to this place of remembering that when leading stops being fun, I'm living out this story of Adam and Eve. You see, here's what happened. The garden stopped being fun when God's creation stopped trusting in its creator. Stopped trusting that God really had their best intentions in mind. Stopped trusting that when God created Adam and said, it's all yours, you are free to eat from all of it. You are free to have dominion over all of it. The very first thing that God says to Adam, one of the very first things that he says to him is, you are free. And Adam stops believing him. He stops believing him. He stops trusting him. And he says, yeah, but I would be more free if I had this. I would be more free if I took matters into my own hands and I created this. In young life, I think it looks like this. I think it looks like saying, yeah, you know what, this would feel good if I hit this number of kids at club. Man, this would feel good if I knew this many teen moms by name. Man, this would feel really good if I just had one kid signed up for summer camp. Man, this would feel really good if I didn't have to say goodbye to that leader who I love so much. Man, this would feel really good if we just had this much money in the bank. Man, this would feel really good if we had this many table hosts ready to recruit the entire community to come and see about this ministry. Man, this would feel really good if my campaigners looked like theirs did. Man, this would feel really, really good if blank. Here's what I want to tell you, and maybe it'll burst your bubble. I have had seasons of leading young life where those things are happening. I've been in those seasons. I've also been on the other side of the pendulum. Man, it would feel good if there was a committee person in the room. And here's the truth. 
those parameters that we have set, that we have said, we will look to those to satisfy, to fulfill, to energize, those in and of themselves are not bad things. An apple on a tree is not a bad thing. But what picking the apple from the tree, inviting it signified in the lives of Adam and Eve was this. It signified, hey God, thanks, but we're going to trust creation over the creator. We're going to trust ourselves. We're going to trust what we can do. And y'all, it was just never meant to be that way. It just wasn't. And so we run after those goals. We, we create those things. We build this strategy. We plan. We plan. We do. We do. And sometimes they happen. And then what? And then what? Because a lot of times they also don't happen. A lot of times you feel like you have been going and showing up and inviting and you care so much. And if the other people on my team would just care this much, something would happen. And then leading is no fun. I'll never forget being an hour and a half early to a Concord Young Lives Club. And I was taping up tarps to make the room smaller. Which already is a sucky feeling. Because you're like, I'm banking on the room being smaller. Hey. I'm taping up tarps. My teammates are late. I'm on a ladder. And I am weeping. I'm weeping because I was miserable. I was miserable, but I couldn't stop because I was so convinced that if Concord Young Life took off, that I would matter, that I would have significance. This was a thing I'm supposed to be good at. You see, all of my identity was wrapped up in what I could do, what I could accomplish. And because it was wrapped up in that, it was also wrapped up in every single failure. Hear this, the ones that were and the ones that weren't my fault. Sometimes things get really hard. And it's not your fault. But when your identity is wrapped up in those things, it might as well be. Let's call it what it is. So Adam and Eve decide to trust creation over the creator. They take the apple. They eat from it. And then listen to what happens. Their eyes were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You know, something that I believed throughout my time as a leader in college and into like staff, maybe still have moments where I do. And, and this was like a core belief. Gosh, if I could just coach a sport, I'd be a good young life leader. That honestly feels a little like 
embarrassing to speak out for some reason. Like if I was just better on the basketball court, I would know more guys. Honestly, I have a really hard time retaining like small factual pieces of information, like numbers and stuff. It's hard for me to like even talk sports. <clears throat> and so therefore I would come to this belief that because of that, I will never be as good of a young life leader as somebody who's able to just talk shop with the guys. I truly believe that. And sometimes it still sticks. Because I believed that if I could do that thing, if I had that skill, if I had that ability, I would be effective. And what happens when Adam and Eve decide to trust creation over the creator, insecurity doesn't creep in. It floods in. This moment where they realize, I am naked, I am ashamed, I have to go find clothing. What are the things for you? What are the things that you've believed? Gosh, if I, if I was just a better fundraiser, then I would be a good committee member. Gosh, if, you know what? If I could just speak a little bit better in front of people, maybe then more folks would listen to my club. Like, what is the thing that you have allowed insecurity to flood into, blow up, and convince you that if you could do this, then leading would be fun again? It sounds kind of dumb. I'm 10 years into trying to learn how to play the freaking guitar. <laughs> Playing guitar is incredible. The moments when I put it down and I give up are because I'm convinced that I will never be good enough to stand in front of a room and play Katy Perry's Firework <laughs> for a room full of high schoolers. And I believe that sometimes. Insecurity floods in and starts to rewrite the story. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking into the garden in the cool of the day. What a, be what a beautiful picture in the midst of such a hostile moment. The presence of the Lord enters during the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. You know, leading stops being fun when we get into this place of just trying to get the job done. When I go into my team meeting and I'm thinking about all of the different programmatic events that we need to get planned out, and we just get right into it. When the people who are on my team are people that I'm just getting the job done alongside of. Leading stops being fun. Speaking from a staff perspective, there's a lot of y'all in there. Leading stops being fun when it feels like the people on my staff team are just my coworkers. And they just want something from me. Leading stops being fun when we lose sight of the one, the one who is inviting us to be a part of this in the first place. Here's the truth. Maybe your area director, maybe a committee person, maybe just somebody shoulder tapped you and said, hey, I think you'd be a great young life leader. Maybe you found it on your own. You're not a leader for them. You're not leading for God. 
right? Like he isn't God enough to do this work with or without you. The loving father creator of the universe has invited you to be a part of something because he wants you to become the beloved creation that he knitted you together to be in the first place. And leading stops being fun when we lose sight or even hide from God. God calls the man and says, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid, so I hid myself. In verse 11, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, previously we see God say, don't eat from this tree. Interesting thing that I kind of have glanced over for a long time. At that point, God is talking directly to Adam. Eve is not privy to the conversation. And so when God finds out that Adam and Eve have began to trust creation over the creator, God looks at Adam and says, what have you done? We talked about this. And Adam's response is this. The woman who you gave me to the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Leading stops being fun when we start blaming. Leading stops being fun when we start blaming circumstances and people. When we start pointing fingers. That's when reading stops being fun. I want you to take a second and close your eyes. And picture the letter V. And right now, in in this conversation, we are at the bottom of the V. Right? Like, maybe you're sitting here with your eyes closed, you're picturing the bottom of that V, and you're like, ooh, don't really know that this conversation is going to fire me up. I think it's really important to get right here. I think it's really important to get to the bottom of this V where we have looked into the mirror to see ourselves choosing creation over the creator. And I just want you to, for one minute, think, what is the thing that was said over the last 20 minutes that really hit me the hardest? In what specific way or ways am I looking at creation in hopes that it will make leading fun again? And just sit in that for a second. Don't push it away. Don't say but if blank. Just 
Let it be what it is. Call it by name. Write it down if you need to. If you've been avoiding confronting it for weeks, months, or even years, stop doing that. Right now in this room, in this hotel in Columbia, South Carolina, let it be the moment where you sit in the depths of the hurt or the pain or the frustration or the disappointment. Because I see Adam and Eve being so quick to fix. And sometimes I wonder, was it the decision to disobey God and to not trust him in the first place that put them on the path that they were on? Or was it the belief that God didn't care enough wasn't powerful enough, wasn't close enough to meet them right where they were at in the midst of their hurt and do something about it. talk about the story of Adam and Eve, we layer it with so much shame. There's a lot of it. When we take stock of where we're at as a leader or a committee member, and we come to terms with the fact that we don't feel like we're having fun, we layer it with so much shame. But I want you to hear God's voice. And I want you to pair it with the picture of his presence. The Lord walks into the garden in the cool of the day. He doesn't run in the minute Adam and Eve screw up and point a finger and say, What have you done? What is wrong with you? How could you? He doesn't do that. They've got time to make clothing. God enters in in the cool of the day and he says, like he didn't know, where are you? Think about those words. Where are you? My beloved, where are you? My daughter, my son, my creation, where are you? Sometimes, so Evelyn walks now a lot, and sometimes she stops growling, and she starts to wander. And you'll say, Evie, where are you? my heart to think that there would ever come a day where she didn't believe that me crying out, Evie, where are you, wasn't to be met with a response of, I'm right here. It's not, Evie, where are you, do something better. 
I just want to know where you're at. I want the days of scooping poop in the backyard to be full of laughter and joy and fun and hope. On Monday night, something horrible happened uh, at our Young Life event. Horrible because of how much it impacted a kid. Nobody died or anything like that. Um, But it should have never happened. And the reason why it felt so horrible is because the kid that it happened to had just started coming around last semester. And um, last fall, his heart stopped. Um... Long enough, like, I mean, if your heart stops at all, it's bad. But, like, he was rushed to the hospital. It was, it was really bad. Um, and he came to his first club last semester, and I saw him in the parking lot. And I was like, hey, man, what's your name? And he looked at me, and he was like, hey, what is this? Like, what are we about to get into? And I said, oh, just, just wait and see. And then halfway through the mixer, I looked at him, and eyes big, full of hope and joy, he looked at me, and he said, this is incredible. This is incredible. Fast forward a little bit. He's been coming to campaigners. He really wants to come on the summer camp trip. He sends me a text on Monday and says, Young Life is a place where I'm safe and I'm known. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then something really bad happened at the event. And... Then he called me, I wasn't there. He called me at 10 o'clock that night. And we spent an hour and a half on the phone. And the hurt and the pain that I was feeling for him and the sadness, it was maddening because I couldn't do anything to fix it. And I got off the phone call and Annie said, how was that? I said, it was really hard. But I love this again. Because he's my friend. And you know what? The kid who did the stupid thing, he's my friend too. You know what? When I think about starting club on February 13th, I think about the faces of my friends who are going to be in the room. Leading becomes fun again when you allow yourself to accept God's freedom. And what I mean by that is this. You were created to be free. Christ died for your freedom. Yeah, we care a lot about details in young life. And I love that. Because I think us caring about details shows the folks that we are pursuing that we care about them. But that's why we care about details. Not to create some lavish event. Not to paint this picture that we are notable. Not to grow numbers. We care about details because we are hopeful for the hour and a half long conversations that we get to have with that kid 
while they are at the depths of their hurt. And for that hour and a half, as much as it was weighty and heavy and hard, I walked away free. Freely knowing that the God of the universe is at work and holding that situation and is moving in me and that he would use a circumstance like that to radically transform the life of a 29-year-old dude. A 29-year-old dude who has gone through the ebbs and flows and seasons of young life feeling like the heaviest, hardest thing in the world and then coming back to the place of reminding myself of how truly free I am. Free to love Christ. Free to meet him every single morning. Free to say to Jesus, yeah, I've got this, because I think this matters. But at the end of the day, if you want to scrap this and go somewhere else with it, praise God. Be free, friends. I want you to close your eyes again. We're climbing up the other side of the V. What is it that you are so gripped by that is holding you at the bottom of that V? If on the other side, at the very top of it, is freedom, what is it that has its claws so entangled in you? Are you carrying the weight of leaders on your team? And by weight, I don't mean are you caring for them in the midst of what they're going through. But are you blaming yourself for things that have gone wrong, things that have gone awry? Are you so convinced that if programmatically your ministry looked like this, then it would be effective? Are you talking yourself out of showing up because you truly believe that you don't have enough? And so therefore it's easier to not go. Are you looking to the image of being a young life leader to satisfy and sustain you? Now open your eyes. And stop beating yourself up for those things. Because beating yourself up for those frustrating things doesn't lead you towards freedom. It only enters you into a shame cycle that brings you right back down to the bottom of the vein. And instead of trying to fix, 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 do, 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 all you have to do, be, become, is a person who goes. A person who goes to the feet of Jesus. And who speaks out the words, I'm created in your image. 
I am loved by you. I am known by you. Lead me, Father, to know you more. And let that be the place that everything else flows out of. Let it be the place. Because what happens when you are rooted in that space with Jesus, when you show up at the high school for lunch, you're not... You're not berating yourself over how many phone numbers you got that day. You're just grateful to be there. When you sit down in the middle of the quad at your campus and somebody sits close to you, you're not thinking to yourself, how am I going to get them to leader training? What do I need to do or say or be? You just get to rest in the belief that the God of the universe alive in you is enough to say, hello, how are you? Stop trying to do this ministry and get swept up in the overwhelming free love of Jesus. And let that be the thing that we care the most. Um, I didn't print this out. I thought about it. And I honestly ran out of ink. <laughs> I know. And I missed the deadline to get Daisy to do it. So, um, One time in college, I was really overwhelmed, and I went to my friend Matt's house, and I started cleaning his house, which was weird in and of itself. And uh, then I got done cleaning the kitchen. I believed, oh, if I can organize something, then I'll you know, matter. And so I got done cleaning his kitchen and then I sat down on his couch. It was a red and white checkered couch. Um, and I took a legal pad and I wrote at the top of it, self-assessment. I was just not in a good place. And all the things I was doing wasn't making it better. And so I want to invite you to take a little bit of time, maybe today, maybe next week, at some point. And you don't have to call it a self-assessment. I know that feels really structured, but for the sake of this, I'm going to call it. Take a self-assessment. Ask yourself these questions. How long has leading not felt fun? Not hard. I'm not saying has it, has it felt hard, right? Scooping poop can be hard. But how long has leading not felt fun? When was the shift? Spend some time. Get to a quiet place. Don't put music on. Don't have people around. Get quiet. Get still. Ask yourself the question. When did leading stop being fun? What was the shift? Maybe it was a specific event. Maybe you really just can't even put your finger on it. That's okay. What changed? And then out of that, maybe think back, how has your relationship with Jesus been different since that change? Is your daily devotion with Christ, what's it look like? What does your relationship with your team look like? Are they people that you show up to team meetings to get the next thing planned, to execute the next thing, plan the next thing? When's the last time you enjoyed your team? 
And I want you to hear this. Don't fall into the blame game. Yeah, maybe some things from some of your teammates need to change, but before you ever ask the question of what are they doing wrong, ask yourself this question. How could I be a presence of freedom and hope and joy in that place? And then just write a little bit about what what are your friendships with kids look like? In our area, the three questions that we ask ourselves as much as we possibly can in this order are, am I becoming friends with Jesus? Just enjoying him. Excited to wake up and get a cup of coffee and be with him. Am I becoming friends with the folks in my community, the folks that I'm running alongside of? One of my fondest memories of being a Young Life leader was a year when um, my roommate and now my best friend, Sam, is on staff in Columbia. We, uh, we took some high schoolers to Saranac and we got to share a cabin together, which is like not a guarantee, you know? And we wept and we prayed over the lives of our friends. Are you becoming friends with each other? Are you becoming friends with kids? Not are you being a good young life leader, right? Not are you impressive, not are you growing your skills, your resume, whatever, but are you just becoming friends? Let yourself be friends with kids. Let leading be fun again. Let's make leading fun again by being free. Let me pray over y'all. Lord, thank you for those in this room. God, I pray that something that you said in the midst of all this would stick and would lead to transformation. And lead to becoming. Thanks so much for taking time to listen to this teaching slash seminar from our committee leader weekend. Stay tuned for more seminars to be posted.